The vasculature is so similar actually in your kidneys and in your eyes that one of the things we ask about when we're trying to determine if diabetes is indeed the cause of kidney diseases, if diabetes has impacted your eyes and the, the association there's, you know, almost hundred percent. And so it, it's, it's that whole vascular bed and, and that's where that whole sort of metabolic cascade and all of these things. So absolutely the, the control of all of those risk factors, the kidneys is, is sort of a manifestation of all of that. and welcome to Peak Health with Dr. Gupta. This show is for those who want to optimize their health and maximize their genetic potential. If you like our show and want to learn more, please visit our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, where you can gain access to a very simple 10-day body reset program that teaches you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and guides you on how to lower blood sugar, lower blood pressure, lower body fat, and improve your biomarkers in just 10 days. Additionally, you can find a body optimization module, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. You can also find a link to schedule a one-on-one -on -one consultation with me. Our bodies are made up of various systems, and we think about prioritizing their health. The kidneys are often overlooked. However, the truth is that one in seven people have chronic kidney disease, or CKD, and shockingly, 90% of those people are unaware of it. The ramifications of having CKD are alarming. End-stage renal disease, or ESRD, which may require dialysis, carries a 40 to 50% five-year survival rate, making it worse than some cancers. So how can we take care of our kidneys to prevent this from happening to us? Also, is hydration important in prevention? How does thirst factor in? Is there really something called water toxicity? To answer these and many more questions, we have a special guest, Dr. Kevin Lowry. Kevin will share his knowledge and expertise on how we can maintain healthy kidneys and prevent CKD. Kevin is a nephrologist and interventional nephrologist with the Virginia Nephrology Group. He's an assistant professor of medicine at the University of Virginia, and he is actually an Innova hero, which we're going to hear about in just a second. Kevin completed his bachelor's at VCU, medical doctorate at Eastern Virginia Medical School, internal medicine at Georgetown, and nephrology fellowship at Brown University. Kevin and I have known each other for a number of years, and he's also part of our mastermind group where we discuss medicine, current events, and just have fun. If you haven't heard of a mastermind before, please look it up. It's a great way to use everyone's collective intelligence for a higher purpose. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Ravi. Happy to have you. Tell us first, what is this Innova Hero? Because I saw it in your bio. It looks pretty interesting. Yeah, it was actually something that Innova was awarding during the pandemic. It was just related to people who you know, made some contributions to, to help get through what was a tough time. You know, the DC area was hit pretty hard in the first wave. And I was part of a team that helped get our sickest patients through who needed acute dialysis because they were so sick. There were a lot of supply shortages. And so, so we, we put together a team to really help and, and, you know, our, our, the pharmacy and, critical care and the supply chain guys all did a great job and we didn't have any, we ended up despite the sh national shortages, not having any patients that, you know, went without the, the care that they needed. And then one of our colleagues just nominated me for it, for kind of helping to lead that team. So it was, it was 
humbling and appreciated. That was, that was a pretty crazy time. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. I mean, I, I was, I worked in the hospital during those times as well. And it was, it was crazy with COVID patients coming in, us not really knowing the proper therapeutic measures and people getting sick rapidly, resting in the ICU in a matter, in a matter of like minutes and hours. So really, it's amazing what you've done. Really appreciate you for all of that. Yeah. All right, let's get started on the so, basics. And that's how I usually start these okay. talks. What, what, is, what are the basic functions of the kidney? What, what do they do? The biggest thing they do is they filter blood. They clean out waste products primarily. They tell patients that it's kind of like a filter, like a, a colander. You know, hold on to the things I want, get rid of the things I don't need. And so the main function is clearing out waste products. And then above and beyond that, they are the way our body handles electrolytes, minerals, water, by and large water. I mean, your, your gut does some of that too, obviously, but the, the, they also play a role in metabolic bone disease, calcium and phosphorus. They actually play a role in anemia, which is you know, not, not widely known, but waste products is... The, the big one. Yes. Excellent. Yeah. And so there's a lot of function of the kidneys. And as I mentioned earlier, people often overlook kidneys. They don't really think about them so much. There's so much that kidneys do. In essence, they are a filter for our blood, but it's you know much more complicated with all the other functions that the kidneys have that you mentioned. Also, hormone production is part of it, erythropoietin, yep. which as you mentioned, helps prevent anemia, vitamin D, hydroxylation is done in the kidneys. Yep. So there's a lot of different things that kidneys do. Really, you know, for the focus of this conversation, we're going to, you know, focus on the filtration and toxin removal. And I think a, a good way to start is let's start from the end and then we'll work our way backwards to figure out how to prevent these diseases from happening. So when somebody's starting to develop chronic kidney disease, what symptoms do they have and how, how do they know it's progressing and what are the causes? Yeah, unfortunately, the the symptoms are are virtually none until you're fairly late stage. So the, the sort of just kind of emphasizing the importance of routine, you know, evaluations with your you know physician and you know getting lab work. We measure a blood test called creatinine, which is a waste product of your muscles, but has kind of become our hallmark for kidney function. It is essentially only cleared by your kidneys, and so, and we produce it at a fairly steady state. So it's a pretty good marker for where your kidney function is. So you measure that as, as part of your basic metabolic panel that everyone would get with like a routine physical exam. And the the problem is you you feel fine until you're really looking at kidney function probably in the thirty percent or lower range. So most people are completely unaware if their kidney functions abnormal until they get there. When you are beyond that and more advanced, a lot of the symptoms even then are going to be more related to those secondary functions of the kidneys like we talked about. Like you may start getting anemic. You may start having some swelling that you notice because your body isn't able to handle salt and water like it normally should because your kidney functions abnormal. It, it's still not actually the, the waste product accumulation that people might present with. That comes when your kidney functions 15, 12, you know, percent or so. And then the symptoms are, are typically a loss of taste or a change in taste, like a metallic taste, a loss of appetite, 
reversal of sleep patterns, muscle cramps, twitches, nausea, maybe a little foggy brain or confusion. Those are the symptoms that we call uremia. And that's, uh, unfortunately, when you're there, yeah, I mean, that that's, you know, very, very advanced kidney dysfunction. Okay. And what about, now you mentioned creatinine, what about cystatin C? So cystatin C is a better test, basically is the easiest way to put it. It is a, a newer waste product that we can measure to kind of better estimate kidney function. The advantage of it is that it, it isn't waste product of your muscles. So it doesn't have that sort of variability that we get based on, you know, muscle mass, lean muscle mass, overall body weight, those sorts of things. And, and creatinine itself, because it is a waste product of your muscles, we actually have developed and use equations to estimate where it is. Because I, as I like to tell my patients, a normal creatinine 0 0.5 to 1.2, but 1.6 in LeBron James is very different than 1.6 in Judge Judy. One's 6'9", 200 pounds or 240, and the other one's, you know, 85 and 80 pounds if she's lucky. And so, so we use those equations to help with that, but there are some flaws to them. So statin C is a lot, a lot cleaner and probably a better test overall. The reason it hasn't become the mainstay is all of our labs across the country are run these basic metablock panels, your, your sort of standard chemistry panel. And to, to change that to that it's sodium, potassium, you know, chloride, your bicarb, and instead of creatinine, make it cystatin C, you'd have to literally alter the machine in every lab everywhere. And for what it's worth, the, the, the creatinine is still a pretty, pretty darn good test. And so the only time we really use a cystatin C is if you feel like the creatinine isn't quite accurate enough when you're sort of fine. So is somebody eligible for transplant? Is somebody, someone who has chronic kidney disease and needs an antibiotic or a chemotherapy regimen that might otherwise require adjustment and dosing, you may want to confirm it with that test. So we, we tend to use it in those situations now, mm. but for the most part, creatinine is still good enough for, you know, 99% of patients and scenarios. Are you struggling with reaching your health goals? Do you feel like you need extra help to achieve your desired level of wellness? Well, we're here to tell you that you're not alone. Our website at peakwellnesshealth.com, which is linked in the show notes below, offers a variety of resources to help you on your journey towards optimal health. One of the most popular resources is the 10-Day Body Reset course, which is designed to teach you about diet, sleep, meditation, exercise, and how to lower your blood sugar, blood pressure, body fat, and improve your biomarkers all in just 10 days. Our program is comprehensive yet easy to follow, and we've seen amazing results for those who have completed it. But that's not all. We offer a body optimization course, which teaches you how to lose fat and build muscle. Our program is tailored towards your individual needs and goals so that you can be sure that you're getting the most effective guidance. And if you need even more personalized support, we offer one-on-one -on -one consultations. During these sessions, we'll work with you to create a personalized plan that takes into account your unique circumstances, preferences, and goals. Visit peakwellnesshealth.com today and take the first step towards achieving your health goals. Excellent. And then now you spoke about how the symptoms that people would get if they develop chronic kidney disease, which won't really happen until late stages, how it can be measured at your doctor's office with a creatinine and other electrolytes. What are, what are some of the most common causes of end-stage renal disease? So in, in this country is diabetes. Diabetes number one, high blood pressure number two, and then of 
various collection of, you know, a primary kidney disease and things called, you know, glomerulopathies or glomerulonephritis, where the, the glomerulus is the filter in the kidneys. That's sort of the colander that I was referencing. And a number of things can can cause those to be or scar down. Some some of them systemic processes, you know, like lupus or vasculitis, things that people have heard of. And then some of them very kidney specific, like focal segmental glomerulosclerosis. And typically to distinguish between those, you do often need to do a biopsy, but that's a much smaller subset of the total, you know, population of people who have abnormal kidney function. For the most part, it's diabetes and high blood pressure in this country. Okay. And and these things are are very much lifestyle diseases, as we all know. We've been talking about. We heard your other podcasts on diabetes and high blood pressure. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've been talking about that a lot on on in this podcast and as you all know, diabetes and hypertension are, for the most part, reversible. You take into account lifestyle changes. And, you know, Kevin and I were speaking prior to the podcast, kidney disease and heart disease are also related because, as we know, diabetes and hypertension are risk factors for coronary disease. And the American College of Cardiology put out a statement that 90% of coronary disease can be mitigated by lifestyle changes. So, you know, it's the same for, for kidney disease in that way. If you take control of your health, you get your diabetes under check, you get your hypertension under control, you, your kidneys will stay healthier. And we, and Kevin, also in our, our discussion before this podcast, we were talking about physician's reimbursement. Now, this is a problem with the system itself, but, you know, the way our system works is physicians are reimbursed based on sickness, not necessarily on health. And can you elaborate that? Uh, as far as a nephrologist, you know, sure. I mean, so, so for nephrology, uh, you know, when patients do progress and require some form of renal replacement therapy, whether it be hemodialysis or peritoneal dialysis, ideally a transplant, but not, not so much for this scenario, but they're, they're sicker and they require, uh, you know, more intensive sort of care and monitoring. And initially the kind of reimbursement accordingly has, has historically been more. So when you see a patient on dialysis, the, the reimbursement is more than you had been seeing them and getting for seeing them in your office. And, you know, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's sort of that measure of we, we, we are paid to manage sickness instead of paid to manage prevention. And there is a model that just came out this year through Medicare it's, it was optional to, to go in and my group as large part of a larger consortium of nephrologists called Panoramic Health have opted in. And we basically for our, our Medicare patients with CK, advanced CKD, the model is trying to reverse that. It's trying to, you know, calculate an estimated cost to Medicare per patient and by kind of, and rewarding physicians and their teams for keeping people out of the hospital, keeping people from progressing. There are some models where you can pr predict, you know, if this patient's this old with this much proteinuria and their creatinine is this, their likelihood of going on dialysis and, you know, X time is, is this percentage. And, and if you can sort of do these measures to help prevent it, then the money that is saved is, is, you know, obviously good for the health system, better for the patient and gets the rewarded back to the, the physicians in some way. And so that, that is, it's a brilliant model. It, it's 
I think mostly being driven because dialysis is a large, a disproportionately large percent of Medicare funding. And it's good to see that there's an emphasis now on the preventative side. And hopefully if my colleagues and I and everyone else who's participating in the model do a good job and it bears fruit, you know, they'll start start recognizing that and moving it on towards even primary care and other places where we say, hey, if, if we can prevent disease and and make that our priority, both from a financial standpoint and just a, you know, education standpoint, that's better than treating sickness. So, yes, yeah, absolutely. It, it's amazing that you guys are, are enrolled in that trial. It makes all the sense in the world to me because being reimbursed for sickness, it just, you know, it's, it's human nature. You're, you know, you're like, okay, well, this is where my livelihood is made. And, you know, I'm going to focus on this. And when you focus on something, that's where your energy goes. And you're not necessarily putting energy towards preventative measures. But that's why podcasts like this are important is because I really want to empower people that are listening to understand that you are in control of your health. You, the things that you do to prevent illness now and in the future can be huge. And you can prevent a lot of these illnesses. And, you know, kidney illness, illnesses, obviously, is what we're going to discuss today, but many others. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So now that we spoke about, you know, what causes kidney failure and, you know, dialysis, and actually just maybe you could just briefly, before we go into prevention, mm -hmm. just describe what dialysis is, because some people may not know. Sure. So when, when you get to a point where those symptoms build up, like we discussed, what we call uremia. There are three ways you can do the work for the kidneys. One is get a transplant. You know, yeah, have to meet certain eligibility criteria, but that's the the best option, best outcomes, most closely mimics your, you know, own kidney function. And then there are two types of dialysis. One is peritoneal dialysis, where your peritoneum, which is the lining sort of that holds all your guts in place, it actually can act like a filter amazingly. And we put solutions into your abdomen through a tube that sit there and soak up all your waste products and then drain out and basically drainage comes out functioning almost like urine it soaks up all the waste products and they come right out and if your potassium's high it'll soak that up and it really is an amazing what your your peritoneum can do for that and then the other one is hemodialysis hemodialysis is where we actually access your blood ideally through an access in your arms called a fistula or a graft where you have two needles, one takes the blood out, runs it across a filter that again acts like your kidney filter and then the second tube and needle kind of brings the blood back. That one is the one that most people in this country are familiar with. That's the show up three days a week, on average about three and a half hours a day per treatment and you get your dialysis from that moment on. Once you need to start assuming it's not from some acute injury, but from a chronic progressive process, once you need to start one of those three modalities, you're going to need that going forward. If, if you're Isn't it true that in the U.S. we pursue more hemodialysis than perineal dialysis? We do. We do. It, it is slowly changing, fortunately. Some of it is, I think, convenient. Some of it is education and familiarity. It's. I can tell you during my training, we actually left... Brown and, and spent a couple of weeks at a, a large peritoneal dialysis clinic in Connecticut just because it was one of the few places that just had a huge, huge PD population because it isn't, and it, it is more so now, but isn't something that's as common here 
And so they wanted us to get that training. So we were comfortable because there, you know, there's some places where you, you just don't see a lot of PD. And if you don't see a lot, then when you're in practice, your inclination is going to not necessarily think of it or, or be as comfortable and do it. Like you said, the things that you know, and you do, right. that's what you tend to put your energy towards. It's more expensive because it's in center. So it requires more staffing and, and it costs the system more. It's harder on the patients in terms of just needing to physically be there. I love home modalities. You can do hemodialysis. So, at home he, so you're saying hemodialysis is more expensive. Correct. Uh, and the, 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 system, yes. the system. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Because, yeah. You, know, you need staff in-house versus, you know, just the fluids come, you get trained to do PD. It's done at home. It's usually yeah. done when you're sleeping. It's, uh, home modalities are wonderful, but it's definitely, it's, it's been more of a shift towards that in the U.S. now, but we're still way behind the rest of the world from that regard. So if you, if you had to choose between one or the other, if you, if you had, you know, knock on wood, if you had it, do dialyzed. PD, 100%, 100%, okay. close. Yes, yeah, I feel the same. Yes. Not, not that we want not to. Not also, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about prevention now. So what, what are some of the steps you could take to prevent kidney disease? It, it, the biggest thing is, uh, you know, again, regular health checkups to make sure that you're not developing the biggest risk factors. And then... When, uh, and then again, that, that's relying largely on the, the patients and their primary care doctors for the most part. By the time they come to see us, for, usually they already, unless they're seeing us for some other abner, you know, concern, they, they already have some degree of abnormal kidney function. And at that point, the biggest things that we can focus on is controlling your risk factors or ideally the best control is elimination. And so... If you're hypertensive, if you're diabetic, you know, if you can control those chronic processes, those are the risk factors. If you're taking certain medications, if historically you, you've been taking, you know, very, very high doses of ibuprofen, you know, for years and years, and we think that it, it, that's the cause, you know, cutting back, whatever we think was the cause initially, remove it. And, and so that's the ideal plan. Very, very good data that someone who has chronic kidney disease, if you can get their blood pressure less than 130 over 80, if they have diabetes, get their A1C less than seven. And these are kind of guidelines anyway, but it, it delays your progression of chronic kidney disease. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, functional medicine is root cause medicine. You're looking at, you know, what the, the root cause of disease are. And you talk about diabetes, root cause of diabetes often is nutrition, you know, eating, eating properly, knowing, understanding what a good diet is. Yes. That is one of the mainstays in lifestyle measures and prevention is just that alone. Nutrition is so important in so many ways. So focusing on that, focusing on exercise, focusing on making sure your blood pressure is under control by dropping your, your body weight, by exercising, stress right. management. I mean, all this stuff will, it helps your whole system, but it also helps your kidneys as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I know you've done some of these with cardiovascular disease. And, and as you mentioned previously, I mean, it's, it's the whole vascular system. I mean, and, and in fact, it's, it's the, the percentage of patients who have coronary disease, who also have peripheral arterial disease, who also have chronic kidney disease. Those all overlap for sure. But the vasculature is so similar actually in your kidneys and in your eyes that one of the things we ask about when we're trying to determine if diabetes is indeed the cause of kidney diseases 
if diabetes has impacted your eyes. And the, the association there's, you know, almost a hundred percent. And so it, it's, it's that whole vascular bed and, and that's where that whole sort of metabolic cascade and all of these things. So absolutely the, the control of all of those risk factors, the kidneys is, is sort of a manifestation of all of that. And we just, you know, I, I, I'm in the kidneys, but it's all happening everywhere. Peripheral yes. arterial disease, cardiovascular disease, cardiovascular, I mean, uh, cerebrovascular disease. Yeah, it's really amazing. Hey folks, make sure to join us for part two of this episode where Dr. Kevin Lowry and I finish our deep dive into kidney health, how you can take care of your kidneys and you can prevent chronic kidney disease and so much more. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, please make sure to hit the subscribe and the like button and leave a comment about what you'd like to see on our future episodes. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only, does not substitute for professional care, nor does it constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for medical care, please seek a qualified doctor or medical professional. For more information, or if you'd like to check out our programs, please visit our website, peakwellnesshealth.com. That's peakwellnesshealth.com.